Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? Today we have the wonderful Andrew and Cliff in the recording studio. How's it going, guys? Good. Hey, guys. Hello. Again. And this is this is your first time, Cliff, Andrew. You've been on at least two times at this point. I have been on twice, yeah. yeah. Andrew so is, uh, we're, you're like at this point, you can, we can call you friend of the podcast. That's like a term. Is that? That's a thing they say on podcasts. And oh. uh, we get to say friend of the podcast, Andrew Brown, now, because you've been on like several times. I mean, you're adding, friend you're adding too. too many words. Okay. <laughs> just you can just say my friend, <laughs> not of the podcast. Uh, this is a big day for us because. This is our 30th episode. This is episode been 30. 30 of these. Uh, I I took over uh, eight episodes in, but this is the twenty second episode for me. Yeah, that's, which less, is... that's less impressive for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still I feel happy about twenty two. But... So I've been in ten percent of your episodes of my personal ones. No, no, no. Of oh, because total. this is your third appearance. Yeah, yeah. I guess you have been in ten percent of our total episodes. Sweet. And a higher percentage of my personal episodes than that. Oh man! Congrat congratulations to both of you. <laughs> Thanks. You know, it, I just want to start off by thanking Ben and Alex. <laughs> For inviting me. <laughs> I don't have a lot of things to do. So this is uh, actually a really exciting podcast because the dream that exists amongst all Magic players is to make the Pro Tour. And Cliff and Andrew just got back. Yeah. They actually played at and a day Pro two Tour. even. Yeah. Both of you. Pretty, pretty wild stuff. You guys both, uh, you, you lived the dream, took a couple years for, for the, the sort of local play group to, to rise up, and then you're, you went. You both day two to Pro Tour. That's pretty nuts. This is six months after what we thought it was amazing that you won a Grand Prix, mm-hmm. and then you day two to Pro Tour and top twenty, and, and you guys both day two like your first Pro Tour. Like that's that's pretty wild. I don't know. I, I was I was pretty impressed. I was watching the coverage and I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Not because you guys aren't good players, just because it's pretty hard to do, right? It was hard, definitely. Um, Cliff, was it hard? Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah. When you get to the Pro Tour, like you just sort of have to fight tooth and nail for every win, and I mean. I mean, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I like playing very competitive events like that. Um, so for me, it was great. So yeah, before we get further to that, because that's what we're going to be talking about today, uh, I do want to mention that while we're talking, you can yell at us with Twitter. This is live. It's not live. But <laughs> <laughs> we will tweet back and pretend that it is live for the rest of this week. So our the Twitter is at the MMCast. And you can also make sure to go on iTunes and subscribe and rate us, because stars are great on that thing. And the more there are, the more people get to find out about us. Yes, we uh, we definitely have been appreciating the amount of interaction we've been getting from you guys. You've been like tweeting in more and, and answering questions, and uh, uh, it's been it's been really fun to to hear what you guys are thinking. And we're actually going to start we're going to start doing weekly giveaways here pretty soon, giving away uh, various prizes. Not, and... not today, but one day. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going to just go on record and say that if we get uh, what should, what should the base number of interactions that we get to give something away? What should we say? The, like five new iTunes ratings, and we'll send out some packs. The fifth person to rate us on iTunes gets a pack. Yeah, why don't we say from today, the fifth person, today okay. being Thursday, whatever mm. day this is going up. And I'm checking right now how many iTunes things. While I'm checking this, why don't we do the lightning round yeah, question while, thing we're while this, I'm figuring this out. We're going to introduce this, uh, something we've been doing with, with guests uh, at the end of shows, if you guys have been listening that far. Um, <laughs> but we're going to do it at the beginning of the show this week to just kind of get things warmed up. Couldn't afford a fluffer, so this will be uh, what we do instead. Just kidding, maybe Alex will cut that. <laughs> we're going to get right to the lightning round. Uh, so, guys, there are eight questions written down here, and I'm going to ask them, and you are going to answer them one at a time. Who goes first? I'm going to point at one of you. You're not going to know what question is coming or who's going to answer first. Andrew, I'll start with you. Best meal you had in Belgium? 
Banana split waffle at the train station going to Amsterdam. Excellent. Cliff? Uh, the mom and pop shop we stayed at, the uh, hotel, the steak was really good. Excellent. Okay. How do you eat your steak? Medium rare. Excellent. It's the only way. Cliff, favorite question. card from Consblock? Uh, CDC Undead Vizier. Andrew? Dig through time. Excellent. Favorite show on television? Andrew? Game of Thrones? Cliff? Game of Thrones. Awesome. Yes. Uh, <laughs> who is the number one pro you want to beat in the world? Cliff? Uh, LSV. Andrew? I already beat him. Oh, who was it? What? Who was it? John Finkel. Oh, excellent. That's pretty pretty awesome. At the Pro Tour? Yeah. Amazing. Favorite breakfast cereal? Cliff? Cocoa Puffs. I don't, I, don't eat, I don't eat bread. There's no bread in cereal. <laughs> it's, it's carbs. I don't eat it. Bread cereal. Uh, okay. Other favorite other game to play than Magic, Andrew? Uh, mental Magic. Cliff? Badminton. All right, good. Uh, <laughs> favorite color to play in Magic Cliff? Blue. Andrew? Blue. Because yeah, you're good players. Um, and how many years until Magic will be a fully sponsored game? Andrew? Five. Cliff? No idea. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Truthful answers. Truthful answers from pros. I like it. All right, so now moving on. <laughs> uh, and that is 12 reviews. We have 12 reviews right now. So the, if, if we get to 20 reviews, the 20th review will get some free swag. I thought you said five. I, I, I raised it to eight. We raised the stakes. Because round numbers are great. Who wants 17? That's such a lame number. Our 20th review will it's, get... It's a prime number. Yeah, yeah. Our but 20th it's all, like, our you can't vote, you can't... Uh, so vote. our 20th review <laughs> on iTunes will get three booster packs sent to them from three different Magic sets. Going on record right now, that's the promise. And you can't just rate, like, eight times in a row. It has to be something different. Well, it, it, it's a cool little game because, like, even if everyone that listens to it goes and does it, like, iTunes will just have it yeah. for us. It'll be really convenient. Yeah. Make sure to comment with your email or some way for us, or your Twitter handle, so we can contact you. Yes. Okay. Right. Now, moving on to Pro Tour. How'd it go, guys? How was it? It went sweet for me, Cliff. Uh, it went pretty well. Um... I think I did better than I expected, um, but not nearly as good as Andrew. Well, but, like, let's be real here for a second, guys. How many players were at the Pro Tour? Over 400, right? 403. And how many made day, t- day two? Uh, like 280-something. Two, so to go to your first Pro Tour and be in the top, like, what, would you said 280 out of 400? So you're already in, like, the top 60% of yeah. the event is mm-hmm. already pretty impressive. And then what were your guys' finishes in the end? Um, I went 11-4-1, which was 18th place. Hey, Cliff? Uh, I finished 9-7, and seven, so something like 118th. Yeah, so out of like 400 people, you're like in the top 30%, and like you're in the top 5%. I mean, for your first Pro Tour, that's bananas. Like, that's crazy. Like, if I had gone to the Pro Tour, if I had qualified, and I had just lost and not won a single game, I would. I made the Pro Tour. I got flown to Belgium. I won. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a free yeah. roll. Like, that's amazing. So, I, I don't know. My goal going into the Pro Tour was to top 25, so... All right. Just kind of well, <laughs> achieved that. but uh, Excellent. So tell us a little bit about the preparations for the event. Like how did you guys, how long did you prepare for? Um, if you, yeah, if, if you have a young, now that you guys are veterans, if you have a young Padawan newbie coming to you and be like, how did you guys do it? What would you advise for me for my first time? And they're qualified? And they're qualified. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely spend the first week playing only limited and then right after the week passes by the scg invitational is always scheduled a week beforehand and it's always standard 
So you can get a good idea of what's going to be coming through the Invitational. Even though the skill level of the Invitational is not as high as, like, let's say, day two of a Grand Prix, uh, it's still a good kind that's of like, baseline. Yeah, base zero. Yeah. How? So that's interesting you would say that. So the Invitational, though, is that, mm. that is an invite tournament. I mean, you have to win or do well at one of those qualifiers to get there, e- right? Yeah. So that's interesting you'd say that the level of play at a GP day two is definitely significantly It's significantly higher. lower than at a Star City event. Wow. Yeah. Oh, you're saying the day two of a GP is lower? No, day two of a GT GP is higher than the Star City Invitational. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought you were saying. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I, I had no idea that there was such a separation there. Yeah, because Star Cities don't have uh, buys, so it's kind of awkward for like a player like me to want to fly out to there if I know that I can't get a distinct advantage over the most of the players there. Okay. Essentially, it's um. Not good odds. The, to... the incentives aren't there. And, yeah. And it also... Like at a Grand Prix, you can qualify for the Pro Tour and you can get buys. But, I mean, the Star Cities do have more money, but, I mean, if you're playing Magic for money, then you're, you're in the wrong game. Right, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there's no Pro Point also rewarded for SCG yeah. events, so, like, the, yeah. Easy it's just low. kind of whatever, who's, who's nearby will go to a Star City. That makes sense. Okay, so you guys finish up with the limited testing, and you get the you get the results from the Invitational. Mm-hmm. How closely do you, I mean, like, how far down in the, in the top standings do you look to really get a sense of it? Like, outside the top eight, obviously. Of the Invitational? Yeah, you look at the top eight, and then how much further down uh, in the deck choices they, do you go? They go to the top 32, so, I don't know, you, you kind of have an idea, since this is third set, um, in the block, you kind of have an idea of the best decks, because, like, nothing's going to deviate too big. It's not like stuff's rotating in or out. So you have an idea of what to do, and then you have an idea of like what people are going to try to do to counteract that, and then you try to get on that level after that. So, so on that note, well, with your preparation, are there anything that you kind of like spotted ahead of time, or that you missed going into the tournament, not noticing how good or how strong a card was, or how bad a card was? Definitely Dragonlord Ojutai. Yeah, um, Dragonlord Ojutai or um, Silumgar Scorn. You guys uh, missed on Scorn. So Scorn was kind of played in the red-blue um, Dragons list, I think Saito posted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd seen one of our friends playing uh, the list before, and I wasn't sure if it was if the card was good or the deck itself was just um, pretty like pretty solid. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until the Pro Tour when I saw it in the Esper Dragons list that I realized that it was the real deal. It seems like, uh, you know, I was listening to top-level podcasts with Chapin today or yesterday, and he was they were talking about that card specifically and just sort of how nuts that card is. Um, and just in the kind of deck that you want to play it in, kind of the inevitability of ending up with a dragon mm. and how much better it is than you would think but that it's also just live on turn two anyway if you're on, like that just seems yeah. right well, part, part of it is also like ojutai can just sit there and is almost indestructible because like there's one board wipe in the format that gets rid of it and it's the lesser played one there's perilous fall too uh, two but yeah i guess two yeah. two two of the board wipes in the format get rid of it but and then at that point they have counter magic up as soon as they cast it from that point on or they can just hold it in their hand like i was playing against austin who has also been on the podcast and is yeah. in your guys's test group um and he was playing that second i was playing some like uh, Saltai just yeah, yeah. control list that I've had for a while and just it felt unfair it felt like his deck was just above and beyond more powerful than anything I was attempting to do it's nice to see actually that that as far as like the whole like tribal significance thing that Wizards is pushing that dragons would be the tribe that it's just I don't know it's cool to see like a counter spell in a dragons deck that is good in a dragons deck I like that from a flavor perspective because dragons are such cumbersome cards and like from competitive play yeah. normally I, I do like, I think it's funny, though, that, like, the first time Dragons as a deck type has been dominant and standard, it, there's not a single red one in the entire list. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, blue cards are really good. We all know that. Um, <laughs> so moving, moving on, which deck did you guys play? <laughs> you're sour. <laughs> <laughs> which, which decks did you guys end up choosing for the, the event? And how did you go, go about choosing them? And would you choose a different deck going forward or kind of um, that whole process? I ended up playing CDC Whip. Um, I'd played the list, the original list, um, ever since GP LA last fall. Um, I did pretty well with it. I think all of us that were on the list did fairly well. We all day two the GP. Right. Um, I won the PTQ with that list. Um, so I was very familiar with the list. I knew how to play it. I knew all the lines. Uh, so when I saw Reed Duke playing it in the Invitational, I thought, okay, maybe I could continue playing the list. Right, there's still um, something something good about this. Right. It's like worth we, considering. Right. Um, the list gained big CDC, which uh, sort of put the list over the top. You can now tutor for any any of your silver bullets. Right. Um, so I took the list, jammed it, and uh, I felt pretty good about it. So I decided on that list uh, before we left. How good is uh, Big City, do you think? She's amazing. Yeah. Uh, tutors for exactly what you need in whatever spot. Um, a lot of the list relies on sort of um, swingy turns. So you'll have a turn where you play like a Wayfinder and a Cut in the same turn. Or you'll have a turn where you play CDC into a Cut or a Big CDC into Tassiger. Um, so the deck really wants turns where you can sort of swing the game in your favor, and Big CDC really helps you do that. Yeah, we definitely were both pretty excited about that card for actually yeah. for modern, but I think we both were really. Yeah, like we both talked about it like top end for certain decks, not as like a four of, but I think we just we I think what we said is basically like how many cards do you often really see printed that are demonic tutor with a huge body? Sure. I mean, it's rare. It's that's like you know, it's not an effect you see very often. So, yeah. usually tutors are kind of limited or, or specific. Mm -hmm. So I think there's been one. It's a demon. Yeah, and called. it costs seven. Uh, like Rune's, Rune yeah, Scarred Rune's demon. Yeah. 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 I mean, seven's different. Sidisi's uh, five, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a little little more competitive. Um, all right. So you're, you guys are you're, you're testing for standard. You've looked at the lists and everything yeah. like that. How uh, intense was the testing the week before you left? Like, how many hours were you guys playing? Wait, we didn't say what I played. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah don't, don't drop the head, Ben. <laughs> uh, just like Cliff, based on familiar familiarity alone, I played blue-black control. Uh, I've been playing it for a very long time, just like Cliff's been playing whip forever. So just based on number of reps, and like I actually thought the deck was in a good place after all the Star City decks were all aggro decks, so that made me really happy to play control at the Pro Tour. How important do you think it is to be familiar with your deck at a competitive tournament. I mean, when, when you look at, like, the power level of all sort of the top-level decks and maybe there's, like, equal footing on some of them, you have to make that metagame call. But just knowing your cards and having played hundreds and hundreds of matches, how important is that? Yeah, you could have the best deck in the tournament, and if you make, if you don't know how to play, you're going to lose. Like, right. I suggest you probably play your deck, like, if you want to succeed at a tournament, you have to play, like, 200 games against the entire field to actually stand a chance of winning. Like when you're playing, you know, three three games against a really solid opponent with, at a high uh -huh. level like that, how many sort of mistakes do you, like, do you think you could Zero. make? If you make one significant mistake at, a, at the Pro Tour, you're probably done in a yeah. game? Interesting. Okay. So it's really very, very, very low margin for error. Yeah, you can't mess up. Because you have to fight for every single tiny advantage at a high level. So, like, giving one thing can always mean you're going to lose. Right. Interesting. Okay, so you guys, once you once you selected your decks, how closely to the event were you jamming games? Like, how many how many hours were you putting in the couple weeks before, or especially the week before? Mm, I think well, it was we, the week before that we started to play a lot more standard. Yeah, like, once we saw the results for the Invitational, like, Cliff and I would play probably every day for about two, two to three hours. Yeah, that's about right. 
And then uh, once we arrived in Belgium, uh, we flew out on Monday, arrived on Tuesday. No, 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 flew out Uh, on Tuesday, Tuesday, arrived on Monday. uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. And we we got there, and we probably played for, like, five hours. Woke up the next day. Played for what, 10 hours or something? Played for a lot of, yeah, most of the day. I think we got, like, one draft in in between, yeah. but it was just all standard. Yeah. How many people were in your test group? Uh, there were four of us in our test group. Okay. And you guys were all staying together? Yep. Yep. Cool. Cool. Was, did you, at what point did you guys get nervous, or did you get nervous? Um, I was kind of nervous because, I mean, it was my first pro tour, sure. and I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, so I just really just wanted to focus on standard, uh, knowing the deck, knowing all the lines, um, feeling comfortable with the deck. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of good enough for me. First time I was scared was when I sat down at my pod one. That's, yeah, that's I saw really your post on Facebook, the, like, yeah. the slip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can tell some of the people over there. Yeah, like, that there were, okay, so I was to my right. Yeah. In in order, there was John Finkel, Gabriel Nassif, <laughs> and Matt Severa, who's, like, a really good pro. And then also at my table was uh, Pascal Maynard. Also really so, like, for the record, like, uh, I would say, like, Nassif and Finkel are, like, on most people's list of, like, top maybe two ten, of the top yeah. four pros of all time. Like, yeah. Like, Kai and those two often are, like, the top three. Like, yeah. And you have, like, a few other guys, younger guys, who are, like, kind of in that conversation. But, uh-huh. I mean, that's, like, that'd be, like, yeah, I'm at a quarterback camp with, like, you know, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and, like, <laughs> Favre's across the table. <laughs> and people are like, oh, Favre's, Favre's, he's pretty good. It's like, it's like, okay. <laughs> Uh, that's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are all good quarterbacks for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, so you guys are you guys are prepping day one. Sit down. Mm-hmm. What was the kind of grind like? Like compared to like a Grand Prix. Uh. In the in the grand scheme of things, it's it just feels like another tournament. It's just every person wants to win just as bad as you. It's not just at a Grand Prix where you sit down like. Round three, this guy's like, oh, yeah, did you have buys? No, just won my first two rounds, and I'm from two blocks away. And you're like, oh, great, I can. I have a serious advantage over this guy. Right. At the PT, you sit down against him, you're like, uh, your name is uh, John Finkel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's play. <laughs> and, like, I remember sitting down against Finkel and, like, I was like rolling my, getting ready to roll, and I was like, "Man, I really hope I win this roll." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, any any uh, big moment like that for you, Cliff? Did you have any player that you played, or or maybe were like sitting near that you were just like? Um, I sat next to Bob Maher a few times. Oh wow. um, We didn't actually play together. We weren't in the same draft pods. Um, I think my draft pod for day two was Masashi Oiso on my right, oh, and then on his right was Sam Black. Okay. Um, I didn't get to play either one of them, but I mean, just having them there in the pod was a lot of pressure. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's all those, it's that high pressure, uh, yeah. no mistakes kind of mentality. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> um, speaking of drafts, I do have a question. Uh, is there any th- insight into this draft environment, the Dragon draft environment, before we move on to other things that you guys want to give to new players or players trying to jump into the format? Don't play, don't play white ever? Don't. Yeah, that's good. That's good advice. Worst. Yeah, <laughs> white is literally the worst. Yeah, is, is it is it even like a level of play it because it's going to be just so blatantly open because everyone else is just no, the it's color not even worth it. I don't think the trade off is there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So okay, moving on. So what's next for you guys now that you've you've day two to pro tour? I know that Andrew, you've made silver. Yeah, silver. Okay. And so why? Where is your magic? 
plan going from here other than talking to us for the next <laughs> 35 minutes? <laughs> uh, well, I'm through top 25-ing. I qualified for Pro Tour Magic Origins. So I'm going to play in that. I currently have 19 pro points. So when I play in the next Pro Tour, and if I don't get disqualified, then I'll make silver for that year. And then the next year, I get invited to the first one based on silver. So I'm qualified for the next two Pro Tours if I don't. Screw up. Get disqualified. Oh, get disqualified. Either. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you get three points just for showing up. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, last thing for me that I wanted to just ask before we move on. Did you, did you guys just get the feeling that everybody there is taking it more seriously? Like that they, even just between rounds, like the way people carried themselves, like it was, did you feel like you were amongst professionals, I guess, relative to like some people who have bad hygiene who are just like people who show up to a gaming tournament? Um, I didn't really, I didn't really think of it that way. I just sort of got the feeling that everyone just really wanted to be there to compete. Yeah. Um, they weren't there just to show up. Everyone was, you know, very serious on top of their game. Um, and it was just all business. Yeah. I mean, at PTQs and, and GPs, there was a significant chunk of people that are just like, oh, I like playing magic and this is like the biggest magic thing nearby me. So I just wanted to have fun for a day right. and I sleep up my list and I'm doing well because I just got lucky, scrubbed or I'm actually pretty decent, but I just don't care that much. And mm-hmm. that right. level of competition is probably nowhere at the Pro Tour. Everyone at the Pro Tour is like, I'm here to beat everyone. I mean, everyone, you're right. I mean, everyone there is of a certain quality. Um, right. It's not that everyone just, you know, stone face, you know, poker face, just, you know, there. But um, everyone definitely uh, wanted to do well, and you could sort of feel it in the air up there. Did you guys have, like, last question for I guess I know we do want to move on, but uh, non-magic highlight of the trip for either one of you? Like, something that was just awesome, just Europe, I mean. I think just traveling in general. Yeah, just the traveling the fact, was awesome. Yeah, just the fact that being, like, flown over there to a foreign country just to sightsee. It was amazing. Have either one of you guys ever been to Europe before? Uh, I'd, I'd never been. No, first time. Very cool. Um, all right. Before we get into the cons block and a retrospective on what's going, what kind of that block was to Magic and Modern, I do want to mention that Modern Masters had a bunch of spoilers. Uh, as a preface, we are not confirmed that these are real, though most sites are listing them on their site, so we are going to talk about them because we are a modern podcast and it's kind of relevant. Uh, mostly what was spoiled was there's 11 mythics now kind of known and what they're going to be. Some of them are the obvious ones that we knew already, so like the Eldrazi Titans, we have... Karn and, and Tarmogoyf and Bob and Vendillion Click and a lot of these were kind of confirmed already. The big ones that are kind of like out of left field are that Elishnorn and Iona are both yeah. uh, spoiled. And the fact that these two giant white mythic rares is kind of A, interesting because what does that mean for the draft environment? But B, we were talking about we're like it can only be one. There's no way you're going to print both of them. Hard so. to imagine anybody playing Iona in Limited. That seems very unlikely. I'm, I am stoked to cast Elishnorn <laughs> Limited, dude. Have you oh, ever yeah, played that card? Elishnorn, for sure. Wreck yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's nice, though. I mean, I was surprised because I was like, are they really going to just skip the whole cycle of Praetors? They're just going to give us one, which I think is correct. I don't want to see all the rest of those Praetors reprinted. Yeah, um, some of them are garbage. Yeah. yeah. The, the only one that would maybe mm-hmm. be interesting is Urbrask and them beyond that. Well, I, and I've said this before. I'll say it again. That the... Kamigawa Dragon cycle being reprinted was just super annoying because there's only one of those cards that should have really been reprinted because there's only one of them that people actually want. Most well, of them it, are... It made their, like, giant feel-bads every time you opened up, like... Jugon. Yeah, Jugon. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So to me, it's nice to Wasn't see Wasn't it mythic, too? Jugon's yeah, they made them all mythics. All the dragons were mythic. Even yeah. Ryusei? 
Yeah, the whole cycle. Yeah. Man, the whole that's cycle. A, that is a huge till. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. For like a nine dollar like, booster. This could have been a Tarmogoyf. Instead, it's the <laughs> it's the Kamigawa dragon, but so much flavor. Um, no, no. So, so they they revealed those. Uh, then there was uh, the planeswalker was Tezzeret, which I thought was surprising. Uh, that wasn't the big Tezzeret. It's yeah, it's five mana Tezzeret. Tezzeret. Um, and then the other thing is they kind of released like Noble Hierarch and. Full Manor Mage, which are the other two really expensive rares that are existing in modern right now, and those are kind of the big spoils. Everybody knew, and and uh, and uh, Goblin Guide, Goblin Guide, and Cryptic Command were the other two. But uh, and then like Cryptic, like all of twin the commands, two, right? and then Twin. Yeah, yeah. Th- that rounds out every card that was spoiled. The whole cycle of commands, which that's interesting. And see, that to me, I don't mind that for limited because it's just a rare. That's fine. Well, they're good. Like uh, I want... Incendiary Command is kind of loose. I mean, well, the only one that anybody actually really wants is. Cryptic command. Well, no, yeah. in in limited. But I mean, yeah, for I mean, limited though, I agree with you. It's I think I think that's fine. I don't mind seeing rare spots get wasted, not wasted, but used <laughs> for cards that are not like super bananas. Yeah, awesome. they're like the weird goblin tribal rares and, yeah, and yeah, the last yeah. one that and like the giant rares, like whatever. I mean, like gotta make it a fun limited. Mythic, you feel terrible when you open a mythic and it's not worth any money in a mod- Masters of Modern Pack. It's, like, it's like the gr- Grimoire right. of the Dead or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Noble Hierarch is interesting though. Because, yeah. like, the, I mean, it helps the game a lot that they reprinted, but that means that they have to bring back Exalted, which they had just done recently. Well, that's why in, so. in Modern Masters, it's kind of like what Time Spiral Block was, where it's like, yeah, hey, all the mechanics are available to us. We can just kind of mess around. Like, they, there's no way to print Noble Hierarch, really, other than in a set like this. Right, right. Um, for a while, because they did just bring Exalted back, and then they, like, were like, no, it's only in black and white, so Noble Hierarch's no way it's coming back. Yeah, I mean, it's. This we'll see what happens to modern after this uh, the largest you know limited event ever largest magic event ever right there's already fifty three hundred people I think well that's just Vegas like that's you have to keep in consideration that there are two other GPs like in, around the world yeah. Asia, at the same time Europe that are yeah. probably just as big I mm. don't know what those pre order numbers are that's and insane like, we're probably gonna be looking at like that's so nuts we're be looking between like twenty five and thirty thousand play, people playing like the same magic set in three tournaments over one weekend yep that's insane I can't wait. <laughs> it'll like there'll be like a Guinness Book of World Records book that's like big and has a weird shiny cover in three years and it'll be like the biggest magic tournament ever was on this date and that'll be what and then it'll get broken in like a year yeah <laughs> um, so okay that's kind of all we want to talk about there so let's move on to Cons Block because Modern Masters is coming out we're soon going to be getting really into that whole world and I do want to take a look back at the set that put you guys in Pro Tours and GP wins and it's kind of been the set we've talked about the most since we started the podcast. I guess yeah, for that for that reason that this block will probably hold a pretty significant like memory for both of you guys, right? Because it really represented like a big part of your magic playing career. Definitely. You took a huge step forward during this block. Mm-hmm. So like, well, yeah, what are some of like start with like, we'll start with cons. Uh, take us back to like the set coming out where you were then sort of and and things just memories or moments you can remember having during that first set. Um, certain decks maybe that stuck out to you in limited environment or maybe particular cards. I guess the first place is cons right now is being held as one of the top five, if not higher, draft formats of all time. Triple cons? Triple cons. Okay. Um, along with triple Innistrad. I mean, like, Innistrad, Innistrad, or Inis- triple Innistrad is up there, as is Rise, and oh, you don't like Innistrad? <laughs> no, Innistrad's the worst. <laughs> You're the not only person I've ever heard Innistrad. say that. Well, you... I don't know. I didn't like spider spawning or um, stalker cleaver. It's kind of baloney kind of 
limited ways to lose. So would you say Khans is better than Innistrad draft-wise? Yeah, I, like I would say that, but I don't know if it much many people would agree with me. Where would you rate Khans in your like top draft environments that you played um, in? I'm just a big sucker for triple set, just because right. there is such a skill differential when you're looking at three sets of card, three so sets set. of magic. Yeah. No, 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 no. Like, oh. I really, one of my favorites is New Phyrexia, Mirrodin Besiege, Scars Mirrodin. Okay. Just because there's so many cards, then people tend to make wrong decisions, and that gives me a higher advantage of winning. Okay. So. Normally, when there's a three-set block, I like it better because it's harder and so I can... So you're sad forevers now. Yeah, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a pretty big tilt. Yeah, I gotta say. like um, The fact that it's only going to be two-set block is kind of... I'm sad. I will say that I've always either enjoyed triple of the single set or mm-hmm. one of each set of a block and the like weird, awkward middle point of having two Second sets set available one, yeah. has always been like the least favorite draft-wise. And I'm interested to see how Wizards does it now that... like. Because that could also just have been the fact that, like, they had problems with, oh, we have to either save good stuff for the last one, so mm-hmm. this is a holdover, or the third set just is going to be something completely different, so this has to kind of be a weird continuation. Let's be completely honest, guys. Wizards will, like, announce a new policy or some change the way they're going to do things, and it's like we talk about it, and then it lasts maybe two years, and then something changes. Yeah. It happens every time. There's, like, never anything that stays consistent in the way they do things. Not in, like, a necessarily a bad way, it's just... Yeah, they're always changing and trying new things, which is a good thing, I think, because that's mm-hmm. why... Yeah. It's a game that we keep spending money on. Well, and I also think, like, you know, you use some examples. Like, for instance, when they changed the, the core sets to the M sets, mm-hmm. well, I think that at the time and up to, up to the point that they just stopped doing them, they were actually very good for Magic, and it was a nice rebranding. And for the players that got, came into the game, like, during that time... Yeah, definitely. It was a good thing for the game. I think it's run its course now, so at the end of it, like, though that... that Group of players that came into it. I don't know that that group of player needs them anymore, and maybe there's a better I think, way. I think there were like ball. a perfect storm that summer between Zendikar and M10, and like Planeswalkers are now being used as the face of a set, and they're cool and new, and they reprinted Fetchlands, and they've come out with this video game version of Magic that makes yeah. it easier for new players to jump into it. And of course, it's now a new card, so it's no longer like, oh, once a year, nothing happens, and you're just kind of bored. That's what I, that's what I mean. It's like yeah, a really yeah. good five years, I think. Corset right? is a very good way to introduce people into competitive Magic in terms of like limited, because yeah, it's fair it's fairly easy to get into, but it's very hard to master. Right. Corset limited, so. I'm I'm actually very sad that they're going, and it's it's going to leave a very bad taste in my mouth that the last three set draft format was Journey, Born, oh Theros, which is the worst. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was not a fan. Yeah. Poop. Yeah, I was not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> did you even play that? <laughs> I did. No, I really did. That was like what I stopped playing oh. a lot of limited. Favorite card because of that set. Yeah. Favorite card is the Chimera. I just. <laughs> I just didn't like. Well, we won't get into that. Yeah, we, don't, it's not, we don't need to do much on Theros. It was just no, all, right. all around. So. You know, now we've talked about kind of drafting and where you kind of rank it in your level. I guess Cliff didn't rank, but where would you rank cons in your, like, favorite drafts of all time? Um, I actually like Ministrad a lot, Triple Innistrad. I think I cons I would probably it. be number two, although okay. it's really close. Okay. Did you play Rise of it all? Uh, no, I came back for Scars. Okay. So Rise is That's what everyone right tells me. Yeah. The, the, like, accepted best draft environments, and correct me if I'm wrong, are, like, Innistrad, Rise, Cons... Modern Masters. Modern one. Masters 1, and, like, Ravnica, Ravnica Time Spiral. And then, oh, sure. Triple Ravnica was fun. Though. Yeah, yeah, Triple Ravnica. Like, that was, like, that was uh, a very skill-intensive format. Oh, yeah. I mean, Just... Guild Pack... The bo- a box of Guild Pack is $350 purely off of the fact that 
you need it to draft the full format. Well, you had to you had to understand which guilds were in which set, and right. like anybody new going into it would just get crushed, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you call yourself a spike? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So. Moving on, the what would you guys like? How wizards handled the flavor and the story, and like what was going on with cons? Did you guys interact with that in any way? Do you have anything interesting to say about that? Um, so I guess last year at Comic Con they said they were doing a set about dragons, and there would be some time travel and stuff. And right at the time, it sounded crazy. Like, how could you ever do something like that and have it, you know, come Work. out all right? Um, but I think the set turned out well. Um, it, I mean, I guess the story, the story is like there used to be cons, and then I guess like Sarkin went back in time or something, and then now there's dragons. And... Yeah, the story is there. Cons happened. Sarkon, there are no dragons because Ugin was killed, and he is like where dragons came from. He pooped them out basically, and, and by killing him, they got rid of him. He goes back in time using Hadron magic from Zendikar, saves him, raises him back from the dead, and now there are dragons. So okay, so beyond themes, um. How, so, so cons is kind of a ridiculous set, and the block, less so, but definitely cons, and it's probably one of the most influential sets in modern since maybe New Phyrexia, and maybe mm-hmm. even more so than New Phyrexia. Yeah, definitely. Um, when I could play Dig Through Time in Modern, I played some Dig Through Time in Modern. Yeah, like, I, I did a count earlier today for this podcast specifically, and just, like, compared, and this isn't even, like loose tier 3 deck cards, like tier 1 cards that I've seen play in Modern from the block 25. In Theros block, 10, maybe 15 if you stretch to the reprints like Thoughtseize, <laughs> but you like it's you can't really count that. And even if you don't count like the Fetchlands, it's still 20 cards that are blatantly tier 1, tier 2 staples in the format from a block. And that well, has just never now happened. 18. Yes, now eighteen. <laughs> two of them, too good. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really interesting when you when you think about. I mean, we always do this. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But when you think about something like Delve, and I know we've talked to plenty of people that say they don't test for modern; they just test for standard. Don't you guys think that it's like incredible though that they would design Treasure Cruise, Dig Through Time, and the Take an Extra Turn card? Yet, like looking at all three of them on a table, they would have just been like. These are completely busted, and this card will never see play. <laughs> like they're not even close. They're you gotta, you gotta have stinkers. Well, yeah, and, and yeah, I do. That think, was a mythic. <laughs> I, I do think they sat at the table and dig through time. Originally, was a time twister effect, and just did the whole draw seven, blah 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 blah. And then this was the fixed version. And even like, you look at seven cards and get like the two best ones. It they definitely were like, we want to make the power nine in delve. And they did. <laughs> and two of them got banned out of the format. <laughs> and that's like, from a flavor standpoint, is probably some of like the time travel element of it, right? That's, yeah, they yeah I can imagine that. that yeah, bit. that does sound kind of interesting. But I mean, like, Jeskai Ascendancy, like, the, some of these are not great, but like, Siege Rhino is just the pillar of the format. Monastery so Sweeper, which is one of the best one drops ever. Swift Spear. Spear. Sorry. Yeah. Monastery Swift Spear. Um, Dick Through Time, Treasure Cruise, beca- like, all of these cards become Ooh, immense. Become Murder's immense. Cut. Yeah. Soren is even like just very good. Like there's so many good cards Tassiger. in this set. Tassiger. Like, yeah, going to the favor for you get Tassiger, like Ugin. This block is kind of nuts. Yeah. In general. It's good to see. <laughs> I like powerful magic cards. Yeah, I, mean, I and, like and, strong cards. And a lot of it is on the back of Delve, but not all these cards, like Jeskai Ascendancy, Monastery Swift Spear, Siege Rhino, these are all just cards that are just pushed. I think Rhino is is maybe the most interesting of all those cards that you mentioned, only because 
it represents so much of like what card design is doing to make, make modern better. format they want it to be. I mean, obviously it's good and standard, but like it represents so much of what modern should be about, right? It's a big creature. It costs four mana. It has like an answer to the battlefield trigger. You get value. It's it has trample. It's just good. It's like generally a very powerful card that doesn't feel unfair. It just feels like a strong creature. Mm-hmm. And that's I think it's interesting that like that's the kind of card that they want to push now. That's what magic creatures are supposed to be about now. They don't want some stupid unfair card like Tarmogoyf where you're getting five, six for two. They don't want like hexproof, completely unfair, or or like V-Click as a card. It'd be hard to imagine them like looking at V-Click and being like, we just want this to be running around now. You know, an instant speed three power flyer that messes with someone's hand. Sweet. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Let's make a cumbersome four five that like drains and gains and has trample and is hard to kill. Yeah. Well it's not hard to kill, but <laughs> It can't be a Repticade. Yeah. It's true. I mean, to be totally honest, I think Siege Rhino's greatest strength is a Repticade and Lightning Bolt to kill it, and it just, yeah. like, yeah. is a threat that fights everything in the format. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you get Lightning Helix. It Like, you get yeah. Lightning Helix no matter what, and then they have to kill it. So right. it seems really good. So, okay, moving past cons, and I guess Fate, we pretty much talked. Like, Fate's biggest additions were Tassiger and Ugin. Um, and maybe Monastery Mentor, though it hasn't done a whole lot in Modern and versus, like, Vintage, where it's, like, a Tier 1 yeah, format it's staple. Insane in yeah, it's Yeah. And ends up when you can play a bunch of zero-cost artifacts that generate mana after you play it. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on, Dragons. So, Dragons is new, and this is probably going to be the one that we have the worst hindsight on, looking back at it. But the set itself, what do you think it really adds? How much has it added to Modern? versus possibly standard playability? Um, not too much, but... Um, well, that's added a, a Tarkus Command. I think oh, that's the yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Tarkus Command is really, really strong in yeah. Burn. Burn is really good right now. Yeah, I yeah. think from what, like, and we've had not a ton of modern tournaments since the set has come out, but Collective Company, a Tarkus Command... Collective Company? Collective Company, yeah. Collective Company, a Tarkus Command, and... <laughs> <laughs> and Offenza are probably the three main cards that the set added. Oh, yeah. And Offenza with uh, Kishifink's Yeah, it's just a, it's, sure. a, it's a... Like, infinite. not a laughable creature versus Malira that also goes infinite with cards. It's not sure. amazing if it didn't do that, but because it goes infinite, it's just like, well, I'd rather play this than Anna Fenza generally. Hey, man, Malira is actually... Or Malira. Where is fine. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in, I mean, in, incidental value against Infect. Right. It's which is a tier one deck. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely not... And most decks are playing 3-2. Yeah. Because there's also the fact that they're both legendary. So the right, other right. issue with Malira was always, I don't want to run 4 because it's a 2-drop that just is going to glut my hand out that doesn't do anything. Sure. But Pod's gone. Now they just have 8 copies of the <laughs> So yay. I've been pretty excited about uh, Dragons in Modern. I think... There's the cards you guys are talking about where sort of the more obvious, like, Atarka's Command is, like, very obviously powerful. I think we all yeah. knew that was going to be really good. And, and Dramaka's Command is, like, it has, like, some uses that seem, like, pretty cool. And people have talked about some of the stuff. But I just think there's a lot of options. I, I really like Dragon Tribal. I think that's, like, like a cool thing to introduce. Like, with Shapeshifters, I've seen some deck lists with that that are pretty cool. Solengar um, Scorn. Uh, yeah, yeah, Solengar Scorn. And, like, I definitely like the idea of that. Um, I like... I mean, this is like probably a little loose, but I do like the idea of Chameleon Colossus. I like that card a lot. I think it's powerful, and I think the possibility of combining that with Silumgar Scorn and just like going from there and, and seeing what happens from a brewing standpoint could be interesting. Uh, and then 
The Probably the other thing that I like the most is that you have two cards at instant speed for two mana that get you two abilities, and Snapcaster Rage is a card. Like, I haven't seen anybody mess with that yet, and I'm really excited once somebody has a deck list where... I just love the idea of, like, playing one of those cards and then, like, end of turn, and then, like, snap. And it just seems like you get so much... Also, the, the black-red command, I haven't seen people play with too much. That one's pretty good. But it seems really powerful. It just wrecks affinity, and then when you're not playing against affinity, it's decent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Which is not a bad place for a card. I mean, if, I, about... if I'm ever going to sleeve up blue-eye-red again, I'm definitely going to put Dragonlord Ujutai on my sideboard. Just the, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like what um, Baratos kind of was doing before, where yeah. just a great control threat that is very difficult to get rid of. Yeah, just like in the longer matchups, Ujutai can... Probably doesn't die to bolt, doesn't die to decay. Yeah, it's a fast clock. Very fast clock. It's so good. when I read that card when it was spoiled, um, I had the same thought with, like a lot of people probably had, which was just like, okay, so you just attack and it gets killed instant speed, right? Mm-hmm. Why is that not the case? In I mean, in both formats, in modern, in modern, it's just because path, path is, is the, like, the only card that it. kills it. Yeah, that anybody plays, and then in standard. Well, in, in this is theoretical in sideboard against blue white red, and like you take out normally you take out path against blue white red, right? So it's it's, a, it's a, as a sideboard option as like a man that normally wouldn't get killed and now after board will never get killed. Yeah, so I guess looking back at the format, it, it really is insane. Like two cards have been banned from the format. Like I don't think there's been a time in modern's history where within the year, within six months of a card being printed, it was banned. Deathrite probably should have had that happen to it, but Bloodbright Elf got banned instead. Beyond that, Jeskai Ascendancy, these are cards that are crazy powerful. This format has heavily affected it. I definitely think this will go back, just like the backbone of it being one of the most popular draft formats ever mm-hmm. and it having such a great effect. We, I mean, we didn't even talk into like Fetchlands and how just having the full 10 has affected the format. Do you really get, okay, here's a question though. Do you guys feel like the full 10 has actually changed the format at all? Does it having, does having more variety in your Fetchlands, like what, it feels almost exactly the same to me. Like, Very you, marginal. People don't really usually play more than, like, 10. Like, maybe 12 in certain decks if you need to. I think the yeah. two things that we'll see based on them being in the format are going to come. I think one of them is this summer, after a bunch of people open Modern Masters packs, people are going to be like, oh, now I can play this format because I have the fetch lands. And they'll, there'll true. be a much more heavy inclination for new people to play the format, which means the cards that aren't reprinted, like Snapcaster Mage, are just going to skyrocket. Yeah. And... The other facet is there are it, it, junks or Abzan's general prominence could be based on the fact that its mana base is just perfect. Like the three color mana base is exactly the correct mana bases versus before well, where you'd like b- beforehand you had the 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 con clans and now with the introduction of the new fetch lands you can play the shards. Yeah, that, that's the other side of it where like before and I've done this I took. Esper, like basically the blue white red deck, but Esper, where I played Lingering Souls and Thought Seasons, and like, I tried. It doesn't. It didn't work because you can't play Cryptic Command off of without taking a ton of damage off of the old Fetchlands, and now it's at least a feasible idea. It hasn't done well yet, but like, there's a reason that other than Jund, who got helped by the fact that there's really overpowered red green cards, none of the shards have really seen a lot of play in modern. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty pretty accurate. What do you guys think as far as, uh, okay, people are going to open their packs of Modern Masters 15, and they're going to have their cards, they're going to get excited to come play the format, and it's going to coincide really nicely with the modern uh, pre, like, pre-TQs that are going to happen all summer, and then they're going to be like, Tarmogoyf's still $200. How's that going to get fixed? Because if I'm a player and I'm like, I want to play the best deck in the format, and I want to play it competitively, 
and I can hope to open them in Modern Masters packs. Ugh. But if I want to like play this format, I have to spend eight hundred dollars to get four of my cards. I Otherwise, mean, I'm replacing them with scavenging oozes. There so, are I mean, you play Infect or you play Burn or you play Affinity or you play like right. yes, Black Green is the best mid-range deck in the format, and I say it's the best in the sense that it just has 55 against the field, so it's just are always going to be okay, versus these other decks where just maybe you have some worse matchups, but they're just going to be much cheaper and just consistently also do well. Like, Infect does well. Burn does very well. Right. Yeah, but like you, you, can't, you can't be the best without like yeah, right. spending some money. I mean, and like, if your goal is just to play a competitive deck, you don't necessarily need Tarmogoyfs. There are a lot of other Tier 1 decks you can also play. See, because my feeling has always been, anytime I've ever been like, I want to play this deck I came up with, or and if I have a card in mind, I refuse to, like, I won't be like, oh, I just won't play it because I can't get the cards. If I'm going to play it, I'll just get the cards somehow, I'll borrow them or whatever. Maybe that's just not realistic for everybody. Like it's Well, part of it is also, like, in the land of brewing, it's really easy to shore your deck up and its weaknesses by just adding four Tarmogoyf. And that's why you kind of always kind of lead into that direction. But, like, in the land of playing, like, Infinity doesn't play Tarmogoyfs. And it, maybe it will one day, because every other <laughs> deck has had Tarmogoyfs randomly. What would they, what would they call it? Like, a, a Finnegoyf or something? Tarmo, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, Goyf. Uh... Yeah, right here. You guys heard it. One of you is going to make it and just 4-0 daily. <laughs> All right, so that's kind of looking back at the format. Um, we don't have a deck tech today because we've kind of ran over time. So before the uh, podcast started, I asked everyone on the Twitter to if they had any questions for guys who have, like, day two to Pro Tour. And I got a few answers. I got three. Uh, from Lane Frost at Frost underscore 50, how intimidating is it your first time going to a Pro Tour? Um, so, like, yeah, it was, like, I was kind of nervous, um, going there, playing, um, against a, a lot of pros, a lot of, um, competitive players, but at the end of the day, they're just people, and you're just there to play, and if you can ignore the fact that, oh, you know, these guys have, you know, accomplished this much versus myself, then if you can just ignore that and just play the game and focus on playing a good game, then you'll be fine. Yeah, uh, for me, um, I've played in a few Grand Prix and, like, Day two, and you you play against these players sometimes. I remember the first time, like I played someone notable, like crap my pants, lost, and I kind of like, grown out of that. So um, going into the pro tour, obviously I was intimidated by Finkel, but by the by like the non Hall of Famers, I I think like I can hang with them. And then the second question by Austin, uh, <laughs> friend of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> is it best to be lucky, good, handsome, or new to magic to cash at a pro tour? New to magic, easily. <laughs> <laughs> Better lucky than good? Yeah, I guess so. Or new to magic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so those are the two questions. Uh, for next week, the question uh, is, what's your favorite card from Cons Block? And it doesn't have to have been good in modern. It could be in draft, limited, Limited standard. or constructed. Uh, yeah, the whole variety, the whole gambit. I'll, I'll, I'll go. Okay, yeah, yeah, why don't we do that? Constructed, dig through time, okay. limited, Citadel Siege. Okay. Huh. Uh, constructed, uh, probably small CDC, uh, limited, Archer's Parapet. All right, Alex. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite was, uh, probably for constructed, I'm actually going to agree with you on dig through time. And then, <laughs> nice. and then for limited, uh, Trail of Mystery, which is the enchantment that lets you search for lands when morphing happens. That is a sweet Good one. choice. Yeah, Good it's, choice. It's, 
the most fun I've ever had playing in that format was when I got two of that card in the first week, and like no one's like, oh, this card's terrible, it's not playable, and it's like, I have all of the colors. <laughs> yeah, that's a sweet one. Um, in, in Constructed for me, I've been brewing with Collected Company a lot, and okay. I also like Ojotai's Command for some specific brews I've mentioned on here already. <laughs> but Collected Company is definitely the card from uh, from Dragons that I'm the most excited about, and cool. uh, Limited, I just didn't really play a lot. Yeah, you're not really a Limited honest. player. I used to be. I will again. One I didn't day. really play this one. One day. I didn't like it. Uh, I'm going to bring you back. I didn't like Limited, not the block, for, to clarify. Sure. Uh, <laughs> All right, so that's it for the podcast. Uh, remember to answer the question, what was your favorite, I guess now we want your favorite Constructed and your favorite Limited cards from Conblock. Um, moving on, we want you guys to make sure to go check out our sister podcast, The Command Zone. They do Commander content. Uh, they're pretty good. They talk about casually how the best way to play Commander is. Uh, build your decks, do all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, beyond that, follow us on Twitter. We are at the MMCast. I am personally at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I actually got a Twitter. Uh, Finally. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> uh, free podcasts. Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, at Merklerker. Okay. Yeah. Merklerker? Yeah. What's that mean? Jero by Merklerker. Yeah, it gains your life, <laughs> gives other creatures lifelink. Dude, that card won me like. Eight thousand dollars. <laughs> Do you have a card that won you eight grand? Grand Architect. Uh, yeah, was, uh, many moons Wait, ago. Can, can uh, Grand Architect and Spellscape be your favorite cards in Cons Limited? <laughs> I should have just said that. Yeah, that would have been better. Cliff, do you have Twitter? Uh, not for Magic, but uh, okay for show. Do you want followers in your non-Magic Twitter? I think I'm all right for now. I'll let okay. you know. All right. I do. <laughs> um, beyond that, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or subscribe on YouTube or check us out every week on rockjump.com. Uh, those are the three best ways to find us. If you subscribe on a lot of places, please comment and please rate us. As we said before, the 20th person to comment on our iTunes, uh, to rate us and comment on our iTunes uh, subscription section We'll win three packs from three sets up to grabs. I can't promise which ones because we don't know even yet. Uh, last but not least, goodbye. Take care, guys. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>